Good morning, Sunrise. How are you guys doing today? Good morning. Good, good. Why don't you guys stand with us? And welcome to you guys online, worshiping with us as well. It's going to be a good day. It's a good day to be in God's presence, to be surrounded by God's people. I was looking through scripture this, this well, this past week and also this morning, and I kind of landed on uh, Matthew 19 as I was thinking about the worship set this morning. And in Matthew 19, the disciples are talking to Jesus, and uh, they're like, you know, gosh, what you've been saying is like, how to be saved just seems so hard, so like almost impossible. And Jesus says, you know, with man, this seems impossible, but through God, all things are possible. I feel like that um, we can use these words, what Jesus is saying, and apply that to our lives, that no matter what we're going through today, it could be, we could be living high right now, and God's doing blessing our socks off, or, or we could be in a spot where it's, gosh, just things are rough. You're just trudging through life, just trying to make it day to day. Um, but wherever we're at, we can believe these words that we're about to sing that there's nothing that our God can't do. Through Him, all things are possible. Now, I know sometimes it feels easy to say these words, but hard to believe them that, you know, what I'm going, you know, understand what I'm going through right now. I just don't, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you're in that place, I feel like sometimes saying things helps get your heart in a place of belief. So um, speaking things into existence is helpful for your heart and your mind sometimes. So as we're, as we're singing these words this morning, let's believe them. Let's know that there are promises from scripture and um, believe that there's nothing that our God can't do. So let's worship together. Let's sing. Broken. 
will believe for greater things there's no power like the power of jesus let faith arise let all agree there's no power like the power of jesus i will believe for greater things there's no power like the power of jesus let faith arise let all agree Though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. 
history can prove There's nothing you can't do You're faithful and true Though the storms may come And the winds may blow I've remained steadfast And let my heart learn When you speak a word It will come to pass Here we go. And great is your faith
I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end. I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all I can tell is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing.
Good morning, Sunrise. Good to see all of you on this warm spring day. Do I get to sit here? Oh, that's not for me. <laughs> um, just welcome to all of you here in the sanctuary. Welcome to those of you worshiping online. Happy to see all of you today. I want to personally thank Dan and the worship team for playing Gratitude again because it's been stuck in my head for two weeks. Every time I turn on the radio, there's that song. I, I do have a lot of gratitude, but I don't have lungs like a lion. Mine's more like a squeaky mouse. So when I sing that song, it doesn't sound very good, but love that song. And Brandon Lake, he's amazing. Um, today's announcements I'm going to share with you. Um, we have the movie viewing for Guardians of the Galaxy is next Sunday, right? For our youth and for anyone who wants to join them. It's at uh, 210, May 7, and I think tickets had to be purchased already, but we'll still take late, uh, late people who want to still come. So check with Corey if you're interested in that. Uh, also, we have Pub Theology coming up on Tuesday, this Tuesday, May 2nd, for the guys at 6.30 at Hudsonville Grill, which is over on 32nd Avenue. Uh, feel free to join them. And then Wine and Theology, which is for the ladies, is Monday, May 8 at 7, also at Hudsonville Grill, same place. Um, now, just to make sure, this is not to test your theology about beer or wine, your beliefs and your um, so on. So this is to test your theology and talk about, not test it, um, your biblical theology. So please join these lovely people who lead these groups, Noah and Kate and Gina. Um, and love to get to know everybody better and have you join that opportunity. Uh, also upcoming in, uh, you know, more, more than a month, is gonna, we're going to do baby dedication and baptism on Sunday, June 25th. So if you're someone with a little one, or older, I guess, and want, or you're interested in baby dedication or baptism, see Julie or anyone on the staff about getting uh, set up, done this. Oh, it's behind me. Um, so, we have a great treat for you today. Dennis is preaching with his mom. And so, I think that's a special guest, and 
Nobody's nervous, right? You're all ready to go. Okay. okay. All right, so we're going to dismiss everybody. Um, got three minutes. Let the kids go to kids' church, and we'll see you back here in about three minutes. If you can go ahead and find your seats, we will get started. A couple of quick housekeeping notes uh, before we, we go ahead and get started. Uh, Wine and Theology will not be taking place on the 8th. That has been postponed. There will be more information forthcoming. So just make that note. Also, you saw the last slide that was up there. There is a Hager Park play date. Um, I believe it's on the 13th of May. Uh, So if you are a child, you can bully your parents into taking you to Hager Park and getting to know some of the other folks that are here. So, um, as was outed on Facebook uh, yesterday or the day before, I believe, there we go, I have a special guest with me today to help me continue on the series entitled Jesus Said. Today we're going to be looking, we're going to take a little hiatus from the uh, Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be looking at John chapter 2 where Jesus said, why do you involve me? Uh, but before we go any further, I'd like to make a special introduction. This is my mother, Linda Moles. Thank you, son. Thank you. I, right, I told you, if you ran into her on the street, you'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they are the same person separated by 22 years and a gender. Like oh, you don't? Okay. No. I think you look like your dad. <laughs> that you should, yeah, that's not true. Sorry, God. Christopher, yeah, lying on the stage already. I, sorry. So th- this is all going to make sense here in just a, just a couple of minutes. But um, I, I called mom a few weeks ago, probably a couple months ago, and just said, hey, I've got this message that I'm, that I'm going to be doing, and I would like some help. And she was like, well, I can't do that. And then there was this little pregnant pause, and she said, send me the stuff. And so um, this is kind of the first time that we've done anything like this yes. in the past. So dad and I have preached together. Uh, dad uh, was, a, was, a, was a lay pastor, pastor a lot of the churches that I grew up in um, as a child. My brother, who was also part of the family business, who is a pastor in West Virginia, he and I have, have presented and preached together on several occasions. Um, about five years ago, actually, I even bullied Caleb into, into preaching with me a series <laughs> we were doing about uh, the family. And so we talked about... Uh, fathers and, and parents and children. And so today I've asked mom to join me because we're going to be looking at a passage here in John, and, and, and there's going to be more than just verse four, but we're going to be sort of anchoring the, the crux of our talk in, in verse four of John chapter two, because this is a conversation, these words come from, from within a conversation that Jesus has with his mother. And I thought to myself, it probably would be nice to get a mother's perspective to help us understand what might have been going on as Mary and Jesus were having this uh, conversation. And you couldn't find another mother, so you got me? Yeah, that's, well, Amy wouldn't do it. Okay. okay. And uh, that's absolutely true. <laughs> um, I didn't even ask because I thought, you were, you were my first choice. Oh, that's sweet. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Okay, so Mom, let's do this. Okay. okay. So we're going to march through the text. Okay. And I'm going to, you just have free reign 
to ask any question that comes up, anything that comes to your mind, and we'll kind of explain the text, we'll sort of, sort of set the lay of the land, and then toward the end we'll, we'll go back to, to verse 4, okay? But let's, let's talk through the whole, the whole scene here of what's surrounding. Sound good? Could I say first why I'm this far north? Oh, that's right. I skipped that part. Yeah. Why are you this far north? <laughs> well, first of all, I came to see my grandson, Caleb, graduate. Woohoo, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> and to see my granddaughter, Michaela, in a couple of uh, water polo matches. Woohoo, Michaela. And of course, Alex and Drew and Alexa. I came to see them because I don't get to see them very often. And finally, the most important was I came to see Amy because she is so precious to me. We only have so much time, and I skipped over that part, but you had to, didn't you? It was in my script. That's right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, so John chapter 2, beginning at verse Mm 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Was that close to where Jesus grew up? Yeah, okay. All right, so first question. Um, Where was Cana? Cana was situated uh, basically next door to where Jesus grew up. It was the the, the town next over. Jesus grew up in Nazareth. He was the local boy who had become a rabbi. He was a teacher. He was gaining some notoriety. He had started gathering for himself disciples. And this this first coming out party for Jesus happens in Cana, which is situated... Under four miles from, from Jesus' hometown. So like 3.7 or so, to put that in context. Um, I was telling mom yesterday, to put that in context, that's like from our house, mom and dad's house, to Paradise Church. Okay? That means nothing to any of you. So to put it in context for us, um, we are 3.5 miles right now from Hudsonville High School. Hmm. Okay? Jesus was home. Right? Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't... Right, and and, and, and there, there's, there's this close proximity that's going on. So on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had mm-hmm. also been invited to the wedding. Okay, now I know what weddings are like today. Correct. But what were they like back then? Not the same. I mean, right, so the outcome was the same. Well, right? yeah, they okay. were married. <laughs> <laughs> it was a days-long affair, all right? Mm-hmm. So weddings involved, generally speaking, is that there was this betrothal period, and the, and the bride and the groom's uh, parents and families had made arrangements and, you know, exchanged money and goats or whatever took place. And then when the wedding actually started, th- there was actually a, a, a gathering of the bride and her attendants at her home, and there was a gathering of the groom and his groomsmen, if you will, at his home, and... The festivity started when the groom actually walked from his home with his 
band of merry men to the, groom, to, the, to, the, uh, to the bride's house, right, to get her, right? So this, this idea of the fetching took place. And they would come together, and then they would walk back to the place where they were going to be making a home for themselves, normally somewhere near uh, where his parents lived, and there was a big procession, and they normally had this little canopy that they walked under, and their friends sang and danced. He really and... wanted this bride. Absolutely. He really I'm just saying, really. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then when, when they got there, there was basically just a, a rhythm of several days of, of feasting mm-hmm. and fasting. And after a certain period, there would be probably multiple religious leaders there, right? So right. Ca- kind of like a, 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 an officiant, but, but more so than that, where there would be rabbis that would be invited to offer blessings to the, to the young couple. And all of that was intermixed with all kinds of food and drink. And then after about four or five days, there was this happily ever after. That's how that kind of worked and looked. And that's what Jesus would have been involved in when it came to this, to this particular passage. Make sense? Makes sense to me. All right. Okay. So let's, let's go to, to verse 3 now. So when the wine was gone... Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, how did she know that? Okay, that's a great question. We don't know. <laughs> We've got an idea, right? So there's, this seriously is a, a question that, <laughs> this is a question that a lot of theologians are ask, and, and they think that it's possible that this may have been a near relative of Jesus, or at least someone that he knew, because as we'll find out later on in the passage, the master of ceremonies, the banquet leader, didn't know they'd run out of wine. No. The groom didn't know they had run out of wine. No. But somehow Jesus' mother, right, she, she gets into this, and, and the thought was, hey, maybe this was a relative. Somehow Mary knew what was going on mm-hmm. in the kitchen, and she came to Jesus, and she makes this, this proclamation of, right, okay, there's, there's no more wine. Make sense? Makes sense to me. All right. As we, we continue on. Yeah, then on. Jesus responded, woman. Uh, now, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, need to be careful there. That sounded sort of disrespectful or rude. You know, woman. So, okay. So, we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit more later. Okay. Just, okay. But I, right, your, your inner feminist is showing a little bit here. Um <laughs> It does. It, sound, it sounds bad. <laughs> it sounds bad in English, but it really isn't a term of disrespect, okay? Uh, Jesus is simply using the word, the Greek word gune, which is a general term for, for woman. It can be woman. It can be wife. Um, it's the same term he uses when he's hanging on the cross. Yes. And he says, woman, behold your son, where he's talking to Mary and to John. It's, it's the same uh, term that Paul uses when he's talking about um, wives and female deacons in the New Testament, right? So it's just a, it's just a general term that, that isn't, that probably sounds worse in English than it does yes, in, okay. in the context, okay? Okay. Satisfied? Satisfied, thank you. Not happy, but satisfied. I'm, I'm happy. All right. Woman, See if you're flinching. See if your eyes are twitching. Woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. Hmm, so, so Jesus actually says three different things to Mary. He does. He addresses her. Right. And then he makes two, the two new statements, the two next statements, right. have everything to do with, his, with the fact of who he is. Right. Why do you involve me? Mm-hmm. Right. Which... 
Mary involves him, probably for a reason, my hour has not yet come, is a clear indication of his messianic But work. I think she's just asking a point-blank question. Like okay. any mother might. All right, so, so we, we talked about this the other day. Yes, and this is, this is a really interesting point that you brought up. So, so we're going to talk a little bit later about you know, what she was okay. expecting and things like that, but you're thinking that she probably didn't have anything specific in mind. No, just, you know... Right. She was letting him know, but there is knowledge behind this letting him know, right? Is that, mm-hmm. okay, at this point in the narrative, we don't know what's happened to Joseph. No. Right? Joseph is probably gone. Right. And so it's, it's very possible that there's only two people on this planet that know who Jesus really is. And we know who that is. Now. Right? Right. Mary and Jesus. That's right. Right? So, so they know, and so when, G, when they're having this conversation, it's, it's an ins, not an inside joke, but right, it's, it's this really inside information that Mary's come to him, they've run out of wine, and Jesus makes this statement, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. They both know potentially what this means. Mm-hmm. We'll unpack that a little bit more here, but I think that's super important mm-hmm. as we continue to, to move forward. But then Mary's response, I think, again, is really hilarious. And I sort of, t- I sort of took this in a different way than you did. Because I-, I read this next verse where it says, His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of see this in my mind as Mary just kind of like, you know, oh, hmm, you know, grinning, cocking her head, patting him on the shoulder. Then basically this sort of knowing, sort of motherly way that sometimes mothers do. Like, they think they know your mind better than you know it yourself. And sometimes they do. Okay. <laughs> Okay, touche, touche, right? And she turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And I took this as kind of like Jesus rolling his eyes. Okay, there goes mom again. But you had a little different, you don't think it was snarky at all or or in any way overbearing. Uh, No, I just think she said to the servants, just in a very nice way, you know, do what he says. That's it. You don't, you know, nobody was snarky, nobody was you know, patting him on the back. She just said, he knows what, he's, what to do, so let him do it. Yeah, so this idea that she understood who mm-hmm. he was and she right. was giving him agency to do whatever he thought best. That no human could possibly do. Exactly. Exactly. Um, which is pretty good. When I write my commentary, I'm going to use that and <laughs> I'll give you credit. I'll footnote Linda Moles. Okay, that's fine. Verse 6. <laughs> Verse 6. Nearby stood six stone uh, water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 or 30 gallons. Now, these were just for the ceremonial washing. Correct. That's all they were used for. Right. It wasn't hygienic. It was, it was ceremonial. ceremonial. So, so as the feasting and all that stuff continued to ramp up, every time the... the the Jewish folks who were at this wedding, right? Every time you, right, you go to bed, then you wake up, and hey, what are we going to do today? Well, it's the wedding party is still on the docket. Mm-hmm. And so they would go in, and they would actually ceremonially wash. Um, mm-hmm. Some scholars, N.T. Wright was talking about, he, he thinks it was probably the entire village was there, so that's why there's so much water that was needed, mm-hmm. is that you, right, you pour out this, this water to allow people to, to basically remain ceremonially clean, clean. Right? right, so that they're, yes. that they're, they're able to worship in the synagogue, they're able to, uh, to remain on, on the right side of the, of the covenant law. 
right? Then Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. Now, this is interesting. Did you catch this? Yes. Okay, so these pots that were used for religious purposes. For nothing else, and he's turned them into wine. Right, which means they can't be used, used for what? For the ceremonial purposes. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I really do, right? It's like, yeah. hey, how much? So, Jesus. They've run out of wine, the party can't keep going, and Jesus thinks to himself, how do I keep the party going? Oh, I know, I'll do the thing that'll make the old religious people mad. Sort of, yeah. Okay. He, probably was, right? he probably wasn't mean-spirited he about say, it. He would say it like that. Probably not. He'd say, I'm just going to fill him with wine. He's a much better son than I am. He's just going to fill him with wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. It's true. Uh, so... so Lots of significance here, right? right? So the person who should have known that the wine was gone didn't know that the wine was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary comes to Jesus. He, he fills these, these water uh, mm-hmm. pots up. Um, I, I just, I, I imagine what the servants must have been thinking, right, when all of this happened. I think they're panicking. Could you imagine? Yeah. No, no, not really. No, okay. I just can't imagine, you know, he's saying, fill them with wine. It did. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, can't use them anymore. Can't use them anymore for the ceremonial yep. reason. So probably scared me. It, it would have, but, but again, probably one of the things you'd be happy with if you were one of the, right, the servants is that, okay, well, at least that's not my problem. That's true. Right? Now, we, now, we, now we have wine. And so, right, yeah. if they come and they say, why can't we wash in these pots? All you're going to do is go like this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so so this, this thought continues on, and he, the master of the banquet, didn't realize where it, the wine, had come from, yeah. and though the servants who had drawn the water knew, and then he called the bridegroom aside, this is the master of the banquet again, right. called the bridegroom aside, and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, why didn't the master know? Why didn't the groom know? I mean... So I think the master of the banquet wasn't doing his job. Me too. Me too? I think he wasn't doing his oh, job. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> it's not just like, well, I'm not doing my job either. <laughs> That's right. So we were talking about this, and, 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 it, and it's hard to even come up with a modern equivalence. Um, but you had, you had said, what happens if ex- next October, right? This, this would be something that, not apples and apples, but right. you had said, we get to Caleb and Alex's wedding, and yes. Drew, who's the best man, yes. has forgotten to get an efficient. Yes. Right? Like maybe that would be his responsibility and we show up and Drew's like, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot to do that. Like it's a big deal. It is, Drew, a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. and you know, at that point, you know, things wouldn't be going well, but we would correct it. So as humans, th- okay, that's an interesting point, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this, you know, we talked about what are some several examples of this, right? So, so the officiant being missing at a wedding, like in our family, that's no big deal. No big deal. Right. We got plenty of people in the family business. We could get that done, sign the paper, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but like, you know, you, you show up to a reception and somebody forgets to order food, 
right? And we talked about this, and I think you had said that your natural would be like, okay, well, let's just cut this up and see how far that, you know, a little bit will go. <laughs> but again, that was a human response. Human. And, and no doubt, right, the servants had thought about these kinds of things, right? They had tried to do everything that they could do that was humanly speaking. And right now it came down to the point to where there was nothing humanly that could be done anymore. And Mary had gone to Jesus, and Jesus was the only one who could do something about the impossible situation that the people found themselves in. Right. So, verse 11. So what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. That last little phrase, I I think, is a good connector back to that verse 4 that we're going to end with today, Mom, but... His disciples believed in him. When this conversation started, there were two people on the planet that that knew who Jesus Mm -hmm. was. So that was the first step. Right? Right. There's this first step. And the first step is is, is toward all the things that that Mary and Jesus both know is going to have to happen. Right. right? And his disciples, they didn't have any idea. They were still thinking about Rome. They were still thinking about Messiah in their own terms. But but this this ends where Jesus has done this, and these men that are following him around look around and they say, this is our guy. Right. This is our guy that's going to to do the things that we want him to do. And what a moment that was. Right. What a moment that was when they realized so, so I want you to talk, and maybe you've said all you need to say on this, but, but just as we swing back and we think about this idea, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. What do you think, Mom, Mary expected Jesus to do? I don't know that she she was expecting at that time she just knew it wasn't that I think Jesus will take care of this she knew Jesus would take care of this so I think that was all was going through her mind at that time yeah and she didn't and this is something really interesting that you had brought up that I didn't even think about that she probably didn't have a clear idea of what he was how he was going to do that probably not just knew she was, just knew he was. It's not the how, it's the that, that yeah. he was going to do that. And I, Amen. I, I think for me, I, I, I look at this and I, I think back, how, isn't this so much like those of us that have had good parents, those of us that love our children, those of us that, that, that love our, 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 our nieces, our nephews, the people that are close to us, right? We, we have these expectations, we have these hopes, we have these dreams, we... Um, you know, they don't have to be perfect. They, right. But there's this, right. there's this understanding that I think so often that we as, as individuals, we don't see ourselves as clearly as those who love us see us. Right. Right? Um, I remember 12 years ago, whatever it was, when I was doing that year of independent study. Uh, so before I, I did my THM at Calvin, I had, I had a Hebrew deficiency. And um, that sounds funny, doesn't it? It's like a vitamin deficiency or something. Um, but I had to do a full year of Hebrew, and I had to do an independent study, um, which don't recommend. Um, and I remember about halfway through that, really, really struggling. And I called you, and you said something that was, at the time, super unhelpful. But as I look back on it, <laughs> but as I look back on it, it's really a good illustration of this, is that you just simply said, you're a smart boy. 
you can do this. Absolutely. Right? And I thought to myself, what do you know? <laughs> and I thought to myself, I know my son. He wants this. He can do this. He will do this. Right? And so you didn't know how. You didn't no. know how it would all work out. But there was this. Right? So what did Mary expect? I don't know that we know exactly what she expected, just like you said. But I think that she knew that Jesus would, was able and that he would do the right thing. Um, Amen. So back to this phrase real quick. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. I, I think maybe a way, Mom, that would be better to understand this as I was, I was thinking through, it's like, okay, how would we maybe contextualize this? Is that we look at this and, and, and we see in this small verse the humanity of Jesus in a way that we see very few other times, maybe in the garden where he's praying to his father, let this cup pass from me. But, but, but essentially, if, like if I were to, to translate this and lay it out sort of for, for our um, world today, I would say something like this, mother, that's none of my business. It's not yet time for me to come forward as the Messiah. But she knew. And it wasn't that she knew in some kind of a nebulous way, right? She she knew that things weren't going to work out. She didn't believe in Jesus the way the disciples believed in Jesus because she had had the conversation with Simeon the day that he was circumcised and, and committed to the Lord at the temple. She had been prophesied. She knew what Gabriel had said. Mm -hmm. She knew how tough it was to say yes when she was going to be an unwed teenage mother who might be divorced by the man. How was in, in the world was Joseph going to believe? And yet God showed up in those places and those times. She knew what it was like when she knew those words of Simeon. I bet they were ringing in her ears when she, she said this, where, where he, he said that, that the child would be destined to cause the rising and the falling of, of many in Israel. And he will be a sign that we, will be spoken against. She knew that things weren't going to end the way things, the way most people thought that they were. Mm -hmm. She remembered that Simeon had said to her, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Mm -hmm. But yet. But yet. She said yes. She sure did. Right? She said yes when Gabriel showed up. Right? She said yes in this moment too. Right? I, I wonder if, if this might be Right, the second verse of the Magnificat in, in Luke, where, where she, she declares her willingness right, to carry the Son of God. And then she turns and she says to the, the servants, yeah, that's, I've already done that. Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. It's going to be all right. Yeah. It's going to be all right. Just do what he tells you to do. Yeah, and, and it won't be easy, and it won't be painless, right? It, it... Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> as Dan and the worship team come forward, um, you guys, I, I think as we were thinking about how to, how to close our, our talk today, It, it's awfully easy for us to put ourselves maybe in, in the wrong place. And I think it's, it might be awfully easy for us to, 
to think that, okay, so you've got a, a guy that's in the ministry, you've got his mom up on stage, right, that, that we're kind of playing roles in the passage that we're uncomfortable playing, right? Yes. But the reality is, is that maybe today the invitation isn't to see ourselves as Mary or Jesus or the master of the banquet or, or the bride or the bridegroom. Maybe what we can learn most from this passage is to put ourselves in the shoes of those servants. They've had an encounter with the Christ that they can't deny. They've seen the miracle. That they've, they've, they've seen Jesus show up in a way where, where this couple would, they, they would be carrying guilt and shame and ridicule for the rest of their life unless Jesus showed up. And they saw what he did. And the people at, at that wedding, they probably didn't know. They were probably cluelessly walking around enjoying the party. But those servants knew that the wine that they were serving had been water only minutes earlier. Yes, indeed. They knew. And I wonder if maybe the thing that's instructive for us in, in, in this moment is to understand that we are his servants. And if you have had an encounter with Jesus that has changed you in some way, shape, or form, your job isn't to change anybody else. Your job is simply to serve the new wine that has been given and to rejoice in the fact that you've been faithful enough just to do what he told you to do. Maybe that's the greatest apologetic. Maybe that's the greatest piece of evangelistic wisdom that we can give to ourselves and even to our children and those that we encounter out in the world. Is that, well, Dennis, what does it mean to, 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 to be a Christian? Well, it just means that you're doing what he tells you to do. That every day you wake up and... You attempt to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That you attempt to love your neighbor as yourself. It's Maybe it's something to, to think about that God's dreams for us are no less than the dreams we have for the people that we love. It's that they would see themselves as we see them. That they would understand that there's nothing that they can do to put themselves outside of, of our love and that obedience isn't about some kind of a transaction, but it's about this love relationship that declares to the world, man, Jesus has changed me. Do whatever he tells you to do. As Pastor Dan and the, and the team lead us, I was struck by this, this weekend specifically. Right, find yourself in seasons of life where you're in the middle of this and, and I'm being exceptionally glad for the fact that I had parents who loved me enough to teach and to model this truth that allowed me to grow, that allowed me to make mistakes, that allowed me to fail, that allowed me to take responsibility for my own missteps and mishaps but that provided a cushion that when I fell, I would never fall so far that I had done irreparable damage. Right. Right. I was thankful to marry into a family like that. 
It's a gift. To have people that love you enough to point you in this direction. It's also a gift to be given children and to bear the responsibility and to learn along the way that, you know what, you and Dad and Jerry and Pat weren't as crazy as we thought you were when we were growing up. <laughs> and so to my own children, all six of them. Right. It's my hope that they would hear this as well. Do what he tells you to do. To all of you that are relentlessly and passionately loved by the Father. His heart for you is just the same. And it's not about religious rituals, it's not about jumping through hoops, it's not about those water pots. <laughs> it's about his care and his love for a young couple. For people. Reciprocate his love by doing what he tells you to do. I want to pray for us. Dan's going to lead us. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for today, our conversation. Thanks for mom being willing to do this with me. And Lord, we pray that you would just take words that were said, that you would use them. Lord, that you would just communicate to these dear friends how very loved they are by you. Lord, we're thankful. Yes. We're thankful that you said yes. That you said yes to this road. That you took our sins upon yourself. That you were obedient. So that we might share in your life and your obedience help us to do what you tell us to do in Jesus name we pray amen
section of scripture that we talked about this morning ends in this really curious way in, in verse 12. And it's almost like this, that's it? That's kind of what happened after this? But verse 12, it says, after this, he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. And they stayed there a few days. You're thinking, what in the world? How does, what does this mean? Well, here's what I think it means, you guys, is that as we go from this place, we're kind of going to go back to our lives, aren't we? We're going to walk out of these doors and going to be like, you know, I don't know, how do I, how do, I do this? But it's the living of the truth of, of this passage is that in the everydayness of life, when you have a need that you don't feel like that you can overcome, remember that there's a Savior to whom you can bring that need. And you might not have a clear idea of how he's going to, to answer that need or meet that need and it may not be in the way that you want it to be, but Jesus will show up. He'll show up. He'll show up sometimes in ways that you never, ever expect him. But also remember this, that there are sometimes that there are people that are out there that are walking around in the world and they're just like those guests at that wedding and they need the new wine of Jesus' love, but they don't even know that they need it. And you have been given the opportunity to serve them a foretaste of the life that is to come. And so as you go, whether it's to Zealand or Hudsonville or Jenison or Capernaum or Granville or wherever it is that you go with your mother and your brothers and your friends, go with this settled purpose to do what he tells you to do. Amen? Thanks again to my mother. Thanks again for those that are watching online. My sister-in-law, my brother, my nephews said they were going to pop popcorn and drink soda. <laughs> Go from this place, basking in his love, sharing with those that are around you. Go in his peace.